श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परम्परा की जाए श्री श्री गौराध माधव की जाए श्री श्री राजी गोपाल की जाए श्री श्री गौ नित्यानंद की जाए गौर भक्तवृंद की जाए गौर प्रेम सो लास्ट मीटिंग वी हैड वी वर talking about the fact that there is a parallel in the section of the bhagavatam we're reading from the beginning of the 10th uh, the 15th chapter of the 10th canto a chapter that deals with the slaying of denikasura and is named after that leela but includes krishna coming into his pogonda age becoming a cowherder the uh, glorification where we are now of krishna of balaram on the part of krishna hmm? and um the chapter culminates with um the purvarag of uh, I mentioned of the Purvarag Krishna and the Gopis so it's it's a slot there in the chapter it also introduces the Kaliya Leela which um chronologically um appears before the killing of Danikasura but in his ecstasy Sukadev Goswami has mentioned it out of order so we are going to continue to discuss krishna's praise of balaram and when we come to the conclusion of that we'll segue into the kaliya leela and from there into the denikasura leela and um we already, we already got, got ahead of us with the purvarag head of ourselves but uh, i was writing about that chapter at the time so again we left off with the, the uh, fact that uh, krishna is taking the time to glorify balaram and we mentioned that there's a parallel here with uh gorlila in that chaitanya mahaprabhu went to uh made an effort repeatedly i should say to point out the position of nityananda prabhu to all the devotees that he might not be misunderstood which it was possible to misunderstand him because as we were discussing he conducted himself in ways that were unorthodox not only unorthodox but but perhaps never we can say never seen before in the world <laughs> that his uh, his uh, in his sadaka day appearance gor leela is a leela in which sadanas excuse me which sadakas engage in a leela uh, excuse me in which siddhas engage in a leela as if they were sadakas so in gor leela the mahaprabhu and his associates they're all worshiping krishna they're all doing puja kirtan and so forth just as we do 
that's one of the reasons also we refer to Shriman Mahaprabhu's Leela as Krishna's Acharya Leela because he's taking the role of an Acharya which in, which in in a very essential sense means to teach by Achar by example there should be some written contribution as well um, but after all precept it said speaks louder than example speaks louder than precept I should say example very important and Mahaprabhu very much taught by his example comparatively to other acharyas here is the avatari himself Swayam Bhagavan appearing as an acharya you would think that he would write voluminously about uh, the, the Siddhanta and comment on the Upanishads and so on and so forth as Ramanuja Acharya did as Madhvacharya Shankaracharya and so forth this is one of their characteristics right that they um, compose a commentary on the sutras of Vyas which are really a a commentary on the greater body of the Upanishads hmm? and in that way establish a particular school hmm? okay, down to a particular angle of vision on the, on the Shastra uh, but uh, here is now Swayam Bhagavan himself appearing as an Acharya you might think he'd write a huge uh, commentary but of course he didn't write any commentary hmm? he was of the opinion that a perfect commentary on the sutras had already been composed by the author of the sutras. Sutras being like shorthand notes written down by Vyas that he put into longhand and poetry in the form of Srimad Bhagavatam. Grantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam Vijaya. So Mahabhu considered as is stated in the Garuda Purana hmm, that Srimad Bhagavatam is a natural commentary on Vedanta Sutra so he saw no need hmm, to write a commentary of his own he wrote very little we know that uh, the eight verses of Shikshastakam were of his original composition but we don't know that he sat and wrote them one after another in order uh, and so forth. We find at the end, the very end of Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishna Das Goswami gives an order to those verses mm -hmm. and ties them theologically, progressively together to present them as a uh, teaching on the development hmm, um, in bhakti that derives from the central focus of sadhana of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the form of Nam Sankirtan Parambijayate Sri Krishna Sankirtan hmm. otherwise the verses appear in the Padyavali of Rupa Goswami which is a comp compilation of various verses that he groups under different headings some of them unknown authors, some of them well-known authors or from well-known scriptures, 
and the eight verses of Mahaprabhu are there under different headings as well. And he refers to them as Bhagawan said. Um, I read a I was reading a book written by a scholar who wrote something about Jiva Goswami, uh, a recent publication. It's very obtruse. And um, um, overthought, uh, if you will, but um, scholars like to make uh, distinctions and new points and, and so forth. So she made the point that Rupa Goswami, it's some Rupa Goswami's work, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was not the only um, person whom he learned from. As if to say, subtly, this is the position of the subjective followers and so forth who aren't aware of the more the breadth of his learning and so forth. Which is, at least that's why I took it, and I didn't appreciate it very much because we're not so foolish as to think that 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 Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the only teacher of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu of Goswami. Hmm? But we also look at the difference in the quality of the teachers and what they meant to him by how he does refer to them. And how does he refer to Shaitanya Mahaprabhu and Padyavali? I just said it. As Bhagwan. <laughs> Bhagwan said. <laughs> so he had the most powerful influence, without a doubt. His name. Rupa is derived from Mahaprabhu himself directly. So, um, excuse me. So, <clears throat> so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu very much taught by his example. Uh, I've, I've mentioned before how he converted Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya by his silence, just by keeping silent. He created a teachable moment. About the charger was teaching him Vedanta with good intentions, thinking that a young man of 24 years old taking sannyas and a very attractive young man, hmm? very beautiful and, uh, and talented and you know desirable, so to speak, by the whole world. Hmm? Youth is very attractive. Everybody wants the youth, and that's where beauty is. It is found and so forth, right? People like to put on Facebook pictures, old people, <laughs> pictures of themselves when they were much younger. <laughs> um, um, so, given that the world would naturally draw upon him, about the charger who has re- felt a family relationship with him, having known his his elders, family elders. But the charge's father was uh, friends with the grandfather of of uh, Chakravarti of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's father and so forth. So there's this natural affinity, mm-hmm. um, both ben- ben- Bengalis and 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 also it was the but the charge Sarvabhoma's uh, habit. He was known for 
teaching sannyasis, the the Nyaya of Vedanta, which is the sutras. The sutras are kind of the logic of how the Upanishads work, making sense out of this body of sounds and showing it how they all work together to give a concerted teaching. That's what the sutras of Vyas seek to do. And so he would fortify sannyasis in their standing of renunciation by teaching Vedanta. Padmanabh Maharaj some years ago voiced uh, recently, maybe last year sent us a question when we were in Madhavan about about sannyasis what was it, how to a sannyasi could be how could a young, young younger man or what not a sannyasi prepare himself to be a sannyasi and what should he do in the sannyasa ashram so as not to fail because there are some examples of those accepting that vow and, and not um, being able to um, live up to it entirely. So um, one of the things that I uh, addressed in my answer was the importance of knowing the Shastra because it very much corners one and makes it difficult for one to be hypocritical and if you constantly hearing and learning which is a challenge. I mean, it's it's. Sometimes people ask me about other philosophies. I know a little bit, but it's hard enough to learn everything about Gaudiya Vaishnavism. It's a, it's a lifetime, right? You can live in, in the Bhagavad. So, um, and that's our ideal. So, Rupa Goswami, for example, explains three levels of eligibility for practice, and they're all. Um, determined by the measure of one's faith. Weak faith, komal shraddha, um, firm faith that at the same time is not fully informed by Shastra, and faith that is informed well by Shastra that uh, enables one to engage in Shastriyukti, reasoning about the, the statements of, of the scripture and what the implications of them are so that you can bring them to life in the present uh, times in which we live and come up with the sedant, to land on your feet, so to speak. People are always on the internet, quote a verse here and quote a verse there. What they think it's saying or meaning um, has is often not an understanding that's derived from context, where the verse is appearing, what chapter and what book, what the book is, what the book is talking about in relation to other books and so on and so forth. So, I mean, you can quote Haranyakasipu, he also speaks in the Bhagavatam. It doesn't mean just you quote a verse, that's the Siddhanta. There's a, there's a little more to arriving at Siddhanta, just memorizing some, some verses, ones that appeal to you psychologically and ignoring the other ones that, that seem to have a different understanding. Shastra is meant to change us. It's meant to... Uh, the idea of the Shastra, of course, is that revelation in a form of Shastra is a medium for knowing that which we could not know otherwise. So there's a, there's a place where you, you you apply your reasoning to Shastra so that reasoning itself gets put in its place. It's not the guide. It cannot take us uh, to Goloka. It can assist us for understanding the Shastra. And and faith 
is supposed to, is said to be Shastriya Shraddha, faith in the revelation, faith in the argument from that side. And again, that there are things that could not be known by reason. Hmm? So we accept them. It's like this idea of falling from Vaikuntha that sometimes people uh, posit um, and they don't like the idea that that karma is anadi, beginningless. It doesn't matter if you like it or not. That We're not trying to... If you have reasoning, how could that be? Because my reasoning is we should have free will and we should be able to make choices and and so on and so forth, and therefore that can't, you're arguing against a statement in Shastra, which is, which just says anadi. That's it. Next, next subject. Mm-hmm. That's how the sutras invoke the term. Mm-hmm. There's a question that arises in the sutras as as to uh, whether or not Bhagawan is partial or impartial. And it would seem that he's partial to some and, and 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 not to others because some people have good birth and money and other people don't. So the scriptures, the sutras reply, no, God is not partial. That would be a fault. And the reason that he's not partial, although there are differences, is because the differences derive from karma, hmm? which is based on the actions of the jivas themselves. And then the sutras say, well, then, okay, fine, but when karma began, then he must have started them out on unequal footing. Hmm? And the scripture says no, because anadi. Subject closed. Next. Hmm? So, if you want to argue against anadi, you got it wrong. We're supposed to argue for Ganadi, <laughs> for Anadi, and against the reasoning that might come up between our ears as to why um, that's not uh, that's not good. They often say, "Well, you have free will." Actually, only Bhagwan has free will. Only God has free will in the full sense of the term. If your will was entirely free, then you could whatever you willed would happen, right? <laughs> it's not free. Go ahead, make a wish. <laughs> See what happens right now. If I will to fly right now, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously we don't have. Krishna can do that. He's such a sankalpa. Whatever he wills happens. He has free will. We have some will, but it's not entirely free. It's often said, well, if you have to have free will to, to choose to love God, well, actually, God chooses to love you through his devotees first and you get some scars or impressions of bhakti from devotees and that causes you to start to identify with bhakti and take up bhakti it's not that you just chose it it's not your, it's not a choice to make it's a it's a it's it's a it's a gracious gift from bhagwan hmm? and it comes first from krishna then from the devotee <laughs> So Krishna makes overture through his devotees, I should say, who distribute bhakti. Hmm? And then, even without us doing anything, by association of devotees, which may come by chance, we become predisposed towards bhakti. Hmm? Then, of course, once 
bhakti starts to manifest, then we have to make an effort and we, and we exercise our will to choose in the context of the opportunity that's been afforded us and to pursue it earnestly and so forth. And as you become more advanced in bhakti, then your will will become purified so that you will will naturally only for the pleasure of Krishna. So at that point, at higher stages of, of sadhana, then there will be a will that starts to manifest based on the samskaras of, that you have from good association to worship and love Krishna in a particular way, in a particular sentiment. It's as if you're choosing it. But you're choosing what's actually happening to you. You're accepting it. It's taking over, and it's good. So, so at any rate, at that point, the will can be operative in determining some of the details of your relationship with Krishna within the context of a particular rasa that you've been influenced by, by Sadhu Sangha. Hmm? So, at any rate, <clears throat> um, uh, 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 Mahaprabhu set uh, a good example. He did not write, but he was in a, he, here he is, the avatari himself, um, and he didn't write a commentary on uh, the sutras. But in a big, big way, he set a good example. He converted Sarvabhama, as I was saying, by his example. Sarvabhama was teaching Vedanta, the Mahaprabhu, and he just listened quietly. He just listened. And he was so attentive and quiet in his listening that he started to make Sarvabhama a little apprehensive. That, what is he thinking? What is he thinking? I've said all these things. I've emptied out my bag, my sack of knowledge of Vedanta. Hmm? by explaining the Atmarama verse, which is a curious verse. It's an answer to the question, why did Sukadev, who was self-realized, bother to study the Bhagavatam? Oh, such is the nature of the Bhagavatam. What is the subject? It's, it's, it's a post-liberated subject, and so forth. So, anyway, the Bhattacharya, as you know, explained it in seven different ways, and he thought he would dazzle Mahaprabhu with, with, with that, uh, but the, the young lad just sat quietly, and this created a teachable moment, and Sarvabhuma said, what, what, what are you thinking? Well, what's going on in your mind? Did you not understand what I'm saying? You don't respond. And as you know, Mahaprabhu said, I understood, but I respectfully disagree, and this is why. And then he gave uh, 64 different explanations of the same verse, and Sarvabhuma understood, this is Bhagavan. But so he gave some teaching, but he, he actually the Bhattacharya was converted by the silence of Mahaprabhu by his example. He converted Prakashananda Saraswati by his humility hmm, in Banaras, by sitting at the door where everyone where the sannyasis uh, would wash their feet before entering the temple and washing their feet when they went in. Hmm. He converted converted the Venkata, the head priest of the Ramanuja Sampradaya, by joking with him. Hmm? making a joke. I thought that Lakshmi was chaste. Then she's the husband, wife of Narayan. Why is she desiring to run off with Krishna? Surely you must be joking. Hmm? Replied the um, Venkata. And he gave a Shastric answer. Krishna and Narayan are one. It's not like that. And then Mahaprabhu said, well, no, that's good, but why, why was she not able to run off with Krishna? And then he said, wow, only someone who 
knew the answer could ask such a question. You're taking me to a new theological level and realm that I'm unfamiliar with. This is Golok, my life there. So Mahaprabhu converted him. So at any rate, Mahaprabhu set a good example. Hmm? I mentioned this in the context of explaining that Balaram or Nityananda Ram's example was not um, like that. Uh, it, he was unorthodox. His bhava of Sakyabhava would show up outside on his sadhakadeya, which is uncharacteristic. Characteristically, I was saying that there is a kind of a parakya, and I didn't finish this point, so I'll finish it. There's a kind of a parakya within sadhana, and that is that you're married in your sadhakadeya to the dharma and setting a good example. An example of dharma or an example of, say, vaidhi bhakti. Hmm? Following the rules and hearing and chanting and a good example. While you're married to that externally and preoccupied with that, hmm? internally some other idea some, uh, is, is, is going on. And you're hiding that. Hmm? You're hiding that by by the example. Of, so, like the parakia means that the young girl, for example, is falling in love with some other man, but she doesn't want anybody to know, especially her husband. So she's extra devoted to her husband. Always oh, there, fixing everything, making so you'll not be suspicious. Hmm? So the sadhakas are very who are advanced devotees also set examples of sadhakas. Hmm? And they set a very good example of their, their sadhana. Hmm? And they're hiding their inner inner life, hmm? which isn't going to be understood by everybody anyway. Hmm? And if, if they showed it outwardly, then there would be no example by which it was taught that you could actually arrive at that ideal and it would be imitated and so on and so forth. So there's a kind of a parakia like this, if you will. <laughs> uh, Mahaprabhu, in fact, instructed the Goswamis along these lines when they wrote to him, Rupsanatha, and said, we want to join you. And he said, no, don't do that. Hmm? Because the king, Nawab Hussein saw, and he'll come and cut off your head. So basically, stay where you are, be very dedicated to the king's service, hmm? and internally keep your percolate your cultivate your inner desire to join with me, and then a time will come. Hmm? Nityananda Prabhu advised Raghunathas similarly. Hmm? Don't know you want to join, run after me, but first to do it, act like this. And then the opportunity will come, and so on and so forth. So that there is a, a general tendency, and, and, and Narutam speaks about it also in this way, that if bhava starts to come, when bhava starts to come within us, then it's just like a like a light inside, like a like a spark, right? And you want to keep the spark covered so that it won't get blown out. Hmm? So if you, if, you, if you start a little spark and then you open the furnace and all the air comes in and blows it out. So you're very careful to cultivate it, keep it to yourself, and, and, and gradually 
fan it, and so forth. So, this is a general um, general teaching. But, but the point being, Nityananda Prabhu, he just couldn't do that. This is he was so extraordinary. I mean, it's Balaram himself in a new leela with his his friend brother Krishna, and he gets to participate directly, so to speak in Mahaprabhu's Madhurya Rasa by being principal distributor of it. Vrindavan Dastakur says, Gopi Bab was brought to the world by Nityananda Prabhu. We think it's brought by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but as I said the other night, Nityananda Prabhu gave us Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? Made him come out, so to speak. Hmm? And um, so he acted in somewhat of an unorthodox um, way, and Mahaprabhu therefore endeavored to explain his unorthodox activities in light of what, where they were from and what they were about. Mm-hmm. And so when we have the greatest regard for Nityananda, who was even commissioned by Mahaprabhu to do things like preach to the downtrodden people, go to the brothel, and uh, hang out to teach people, maybe take a drink. I mean, Balaram was prone to intoxication. I mean, he didn't take any liquors. <laughs> there are stories like that that he vo- avoided it. But um, it's said, it, there's a famous saying, if you see Nityananda Prabhu at a brothel talking to a prostitute, you should know he's only there for the purpose of Mahaprabhu. Hmm? But this is this is possible for someone like him who would also swim with alligators in the Ganges and uh, uh, other such extraordinary um, um, supernatural behavior, if you will. So, Mahaprabhu made an effort to teach his disciples, his students in the world, the importance of Nityananda Prabhu. Because Nitai, what does he say? Narutam? Radha Krishna? Poibenai? Nitai? Heno Nitai Vine Bhai? Radha Krishna Poibenai. Without Nitinanda Prabhu, there's no possibility of attaining the darshan service of Radha and Krishna. First this, then we can enter Vrindavan. How do we know what we know about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu conclusively? We know from the work of Krishnas Kaviraj and Chaitanya Charitamrita. How did that book come about? Nityananda Prabhu sent him to Vrindavan. Sent, go to Vrindavan. There, you, all your desires will be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Through Nityananda Prabhu, we get Chaitanya Charitamrita. Through Nityananda Prabhu, we got Chaitanya Bhagavat. And Das says, Antaryami Nityananda Prabhu, in my heart, t- told me to write this book. Nitai Chand Kijai. So, as I said, Krishna is glorifying. Balaram in this section of the Bhagavatam, and there's a parallel in Gaur Lila with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu glorifying and pointing out 
virtues and the ontological position of Nityananda Prabhu. We may wonder what is the need for Krishna to do that of Balaram. But as I've mentioned, <clears throat> there are the statements, um, even in other scriptures. In Mahabharata, it's mentioned, and I might have cited this earlier, that um, Balaram is, uh, is an expansion of Anandasesh. Uh, which the idea being he's an Avesh avatar there's two types of Avesh avatars one is which Bhagawan personifies as a particular power of himself or he empowers a jiva with a particular power of himself so it goes so far as to think in some schools that Balram is a jiva, empowered. Hmm? But, of course, the Bhagavatam is the hub around which all of the scriptures are to be understood. So if there's a statement that appears to contradict the Bhagavatam, we have to look at it in light of the teaching of the Bhagavatam and understand it in that way. This is a beautiful contribution of Jiva Goswami in his Sandarbhas. Hmm? He has uh, uh, taught us this. Um, <clears throat> so, therefore, Bhagavatam is giving the definitive teaching on who is Balaram, and is coming from the lotus mouth of Krishna himself. Hmm. Who could be a better authority? Right? Hmm. Bhagavatam has. Um, Mentions him, uh, teaches, of course, that he's he's is Swayam Bhagawan. But what is the position of Balaram? So, Krishna himself, in the, in the section of the Leela narrative, hmm, is now going to, going to te teach that. Earlier in the Bhagavatam, where it said, Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, this is the concluding verse in chapter 3 of the first canto of a number of verses speaking about the avatars. Avatar Tattva was one of the questions of the sages at Naimisharanya. So Avatar Tattva this is one of the places in which it's discussed. Hmm? Beginning with the Purusha, Mahavishnu, the first avatar means avatara, crossing Tara from out to down. So from the Paravyom an avatar. The first avatar is the great and compassionate Mahavishnu. Hmm? The, the avatar of Mahasankarsha. To fulfill the desire of Narayan and Vaikuntha to experience compassion. To bestow mukti. He wants to bestow mukti, but everyone there is a mukta. So, who can he bestow mukti? Therefore, there needs to be another world hmm, where the bestowing of mukti is possible if Narayan is to be compassionate <laughs> indeed he is so there is such a world and in the form of Mahavishnu the Mahasankarshan expands right? and then as the Garbhodakshya Vishnu Shurudakshya Vishnu the avatars are coming through Purusha right? so there's a list of a number of avatars and and uh, 
and so forth, comes to the end of the list and says, but they are asankhya. These are just a few. They are uncountable, like waves of the ocean. Hmm? But amongst them, all of them, hmm? all of the amsas and amsas of the amsas, parts of the parts, Krishna to Bhagavan Swayam. Krishna Swayam Bhagavan. But just prior to that verse, a few verses back, the fact that Krishna is the avatari, as Krishna as Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam means, the source of avatars, is mentioned for clarification because just a few verses back, the Krishna Balaram avatar is mentioned. Hmm? Krishna, what is it? Balaramo. Rama Krishna Vibho, Vibho, something. So, it's 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 the Krishna avatar is described in the Bhagavatam as the Krishna Balaram avatar. They come together. Hmm? Still, Krishna is the Swayam Bhagavan. So, what is the position of of Balaram exactly? He's not like Narayan, and the avatar is coming from Narayan. Hmm? So, this is a beautiful contribution of the Goswamis elaborating upon really kind of what's being said here in this chapter hmm? uh, th- from the mouth of Krishna greatest authority of all we find beautiful praise of Balaram and as I mentioned it's in a mood of hasya hmm? uh, joking hmm? so there's two kind of levels of philosophical joking that are subtle here in this uh, glorification. And um, so I'll read a little bit the glorification. As Krishna gazed at the beauty of the forest, he smiled slightly and described the trees laden with fruits to be bending down out of respect for his older brother Balaram. So Krishna's looking at the forest. The forest is speaking to him in a certain way in terms of its movements and, and so forth and he reads it all these movements as glorification of, of Balaram ostensibly so it would appear hmm? first the trees trees of course are significant in in Braj they are repeatedly glorified the trees and um, here one of the implications of what Krishna is saying here aside from glorifying Balaram um, or in relation to that is that the trees of Braj are very special because trees are typically thought to be a birth as a tree is a, is a birth in the mode of ignorance yeah. it's very just dimly conscious you can read about the secret life of trees there's a book out like that which is quite fascinating but nonetheless comparatively to human society the extent to which there is any self-awareness is is limited. Not, not that the trees don't have atmas, but but the particular body that they're in doesn't facilitate the kind of discussions that we're having tonight. Right. So, however, that being the case, the trees of Vrindavan they're different. Hmm? Right. They're different. They, they're, they're, they're described here as laden with fruits and the implication is that their branches instead of reaching up to get out of ignorance and go to heaven they're reaching down to try to touch the feet of Krishna 
And in the Bhagavatam verse itself, the devas are also 